what we're going to do, uh, we welcome all of you in. Uh, we, we've talked about last week we did a standalone message. Uh, if you did not get that message, you can go back to the archives here on YouTube, uh, on the Rick and Bubba podcast channel, or you can go to BurgessMinistries.com and click on media. Uh, if you missed last week's message, I would encourage you to go listen to it. Uh, it, was, it was very impactful to all of us, and we had an incredible time. Uh, getting into God's Word last week, talking about Jesus raising Lazarus from the dead. Today, since this is the week that we uh, we, we celebrate uh, what God did for us, uh, of course, it'll start with Good Friday with the crucifixion when our, our the price was paid for our sin, and we'll talk about that a little bit today. And then Sunday, of course, the glorious resurrection, which then separates Christianity from all other belief systems, uh, and uh, and we've talked a good bit about that as well. But uh, what we're going to do, we'll do a, a stand-along today. We'll do another stand-along next Wednesday. And then uh, the following Sunday, April the 28th, will be the next Man Church. For those of you that maybe have implemented this ministry with your church, you know what this is. Quarterly, we have services that are just for men. You're welcome to join us for hours at Shades Mountain Baptist Church. Uh, coming up um, on Sunday the 28th, it'll be at 6 p.m. local time. It's free. Uh, Scott Dawson will be speaking to us. And then we'll go into the next round of Bible studies. And in here, we'll be doing Jerry Bridges' book, The Pursuit of Holiness. Also, if you uh, are watching this and you don't know what you're going to do this coming Sunday, I'd love to invite you to Shades Mountain Baptist Church for our multiple Easter services. Uh, you can go to shades.org and get all the information about when those services are available to you. Uh, and we'd love for you to get your family and join us. And if you're you know, watching around the country and you're like, that's a long way for me to travel, I would encourage you, if you don't have a church, to go this Sunday and hear the greatest news of all time. Uh, so let's open up in prayer and jump into today's lessons. Lord, thank you uh, for the opportunity. Lord, with the men here in this Bible study, we want to lift up one of our brothers today, Will Vanoy. Uh, Will is, a, is an active member of our men's ministry and leadership. Uh, his father just fell off a ladder, uh, and, and he's a, a older, like a lot of our dads are now that are in this room, and he's hurt himself, broke his leg, and broke his back. And, Lord, as they're now operating on him, uh, I pray, Lord, that he make a full recovery, be with Will and his family, but all of us just join with the other men uh, praying all over uh, this city and around the world uh, for his father, Ray, to make a full recovery. And we just, we just lay this at your feet with all the other prayer requests, requests that may be um, you know, not mentioned here in this room, but when you have this many people together and all the things going on in the fallen creation, Lord, we just ask that you be merciful, and we, pray, we thank you for the hope that's found only in you. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. All right, so if you have your Bible or something with your Bible on it, let's go to Matthew's account of this, Matthew uh, 27, and we're going to start uh, in verse 15. This, um, this was a message that, that, that God uh, gave me uh, several years ago, uh, and I've taught it several times, and, and every single time that I've taught it, I'm always impacted by it greatly, and I, and I hope it has the same benefit for those of you in the room and for those of you that are listening to this uh, other ways or maybe watching uh, around the country and around the world. Uh, I remember vividly, I was, it was funny, I was asked, uh, you know, with all these movies that come out from time to time, and let's face it, when there's people that do movies, uh, about the historical events of the Bible. Some of them are good. Some of them are not very good. Uh, some of them are blasphemous. Uh, so you have to be very careful. And I can remember when The Passion of the Christ came out, I'd kind of had a bad run with, you know, uh, Hollywood's attempts at doing some of these stories about our Lord and Savior. So I, I didn't know how to really feel about it. And the more I heard about it, uh, the more I thought, you know, this might be a good thing. And I still do. If you've never seen The Passion of the Christ, 
Um, certainly there's some liberties that are taking, taken in some parts of it, but as far as the crucifixion is concerned, uh, I, I think this was God using what was available to us at the time because we, we were able to really show uh, the, the gruesome price that had to be paid for our sin in a way that up to that time had never been able to be shown before. And then it was incredibly impactful. I can remember going to theaters and, and getting to talk to people about what Jesus had done. I, I can still remember a, a kid that was coming in to clean up the theater that got in there too quick. And I remember just watching him standing there and staring at the screen. And I had to actually shake him and say, are you all right? And he was like, man. Uh, and I was able to talk to him about what, what Christ had done. So uh, there's no doubt that that has been used, even though the people involved are all flawed, but it's been used um, to impact a lot of people. So for my house, you know, I was trying to figure out when was the, the right time uh, for my children to see it. Uh, when it came out, my older children were already old enough to see it. Uh, and then I remember when I, my, my younger boys, I remember the first time I set them down in front of it to watch it. And I was kind of preparing them for what they were going to see. And, and, and I, can, I can remember it so vividly because it was a moment in, in their lives and in mine when this message we're going to have today when it happened. So the scene that we're going to lay out here today was, was presented, and this was the scene uh, when uh, Pilate is going to present the choice to the people um, uh, uh, of Barabbas or Jesus. Um, and I can remember watching my little boys as they, they seemed to just be glued into this moment. And, of course, when the people started calling for Barabbas and calling for Jesus to be crucified, I, I, I remember my boys just almost just being physically jolted and they looked at me and they were like, Daddy, why would they do that? Why, why, would, why would anybody presented with that choice call for Barabbas? And I remember kind of that, that moment, you know, I was like, well, there's this historic significance and this, this, and this, but I couldn't get it out of my mind. And, 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 and it stayed with me as, as God wanted it to, and, and, I, and I went, and I said, you know, I, I want to look at this account in Scripture, and, and Matthew seems to lay it out the way the, that this presentation works the best for what I want to share with you today, what God shared with me, and it radically changed my life. And, and, and the good thing about this message, today's one of those messages that you will take with you, and you will use it. See, a lot of you are thinking, and I hope you're not, well, I've already made my decision for Christ. That, that's, that's fine. I'm, praise the Lord for that. But what I'm telling you this is going to be, this is going to be one of those things that you carry with you that will be used as a weapon against the enemy for the rest of your life as you continue to fight the battle that Paul talks about in Galatians that is now, you know, is now being waged in your being. And that is the battle between your flesh and your spirit. You know, our spirit was dead until Jesus justified and said, now... The spirit part of you is alive again. But the flesh didn't get the message. The flesh is still saying, well, I, I, I know where I'm headed. I'm headed to the grave where I'm going to rot, and I'm in a fallen state, and I'm going to fight against this new justified spirit. And that's the war, isn't it? And then what happens? The one we feed wins as we begin to be sanctified and mature in our faith. And I've had people that, that, that have studied this lesson with me before, and... Um, and, and they said, you know what, I keep this phrase with me, and I still say it to this day, and you'll get it before we leave. I, I was on a mission trip with some high schoolers, and we were all doing different times to adults to give devotions, 
And I had one of the kids come up to me and say, Mr. Burgess, tell me you're going to do Barabbas. I said, are you making a request? And, and the student said, yeah. And I said, but you've already heard it. And they said, yeah, but we want to hear it again. Because, and that was the phrase, and you'll see the one we're talking about. So let's look at what's happening uh, today. So it, in, 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 in history, this took place. We know that before we get to 15, that, that, that Pilate's got an issue. If you know the history of this, uh, Jesus had been b- brought before Pilate, and Pilate really doesn't want to deal with it. You know, Pilate is there representing the Roman Empire, and really his job is to just not have trouble. Keep, keep, keep this area under control, and of course, it's Passover. So now this region, he's had to leave his beautiful palace, and he's had to go find lodging somewhere in Jerusalem, and there's been ver- various archaeological finds that think where he may have stayed while he was in Jerusalem, but he doesn't want to be there. He's, he's, he's hanging out in Caesarea, and he's got a much better view and a lot less trouble in Caesarea. But now, because of Passover, he knows he's got to get on location because it's a very volatile time. And he was correct, and more volatile than ever this time. So we also know, as you'll find out, that his wife is coming to him saying, look, I'm having dreams about this guy. You don't want anything to do with this guy. This is, this is, this is problematic. So he's got that hanging on him. Now, if you go back and look at the history, he's also had to deal with a lot of uprisings because he's having to to fight this this battle of we're the Roman Empire, but we're allowing, you know, these Pharisees and these rabbis to have some sort of power, but ultimately we overrule. But if if everybody will just behave, we'll allow this to go on. Well, people had not been behaving. And and historians tell us, if you look back over the history of all this, which is remarkable how much of this is, recorded by just historians who they don't, they don't even make a claim on Jesus' deity or not, but they're saying these things were going on, absolutely. They, they even document about they can't explain why it went dark for three hours when we actually get to the crucifixion. People are, are even using theories that it, that it might have been an eclipse, but really we know in science, three-hour eclipse, they don't exist. They talked about an earthquake, all these things that were going on, just, just historians who were documenting. But So what they document is that Pilate was kind of getting with Caesar up to his third strike. Okay, I don't want any more trouble out of this area I have you in charge of. So you have to understand all this is in play, uh, that Pilate's got a lot of pressure on him not to let this get out of hand. So here's what. So he starts thinking. He thinks, all right, I think I've got it. I think I've got a way out, and I'm going to go get this Barabbas character. Now, if you look at the, the Gospels that cover this, Matthew's not going to give us a lot of information. He's just going to call him a, a notorious prisoner. But if you go to the other Gospels, they tell us a little more that he, he led uprisings against the Roman Empire. He, he was a guy, who, and, and, and there even, there's even some suggestion that he may have actually killed people uh, with all these various uprisings. So you have to think that if, if Pilate thinks this is his way out, he's not just going to grab a guy that everybody kind of has kind of a mediocre feeling about. He, he thinks he's got it. He, he thinks, especially with these leaders, because, see, you have to understand, they weren't really for the uprisings because they kind of liked their situation. They had basically cut a deal with the Roman Empire that they were still living a pretty lavish life uh, that was unaffected as long as they would go appease the Romans when they needed to. So uprisings, don't, don't get in your mind that the leadership, the Pharisees really cared to, you know, got behind uprisings. They really didn't because uprisings what brought the hammer of the Roman Empire back down on everybody, 
Now, if you're somebody not in leadership, you don't care because you, you want something to change. But they kind of had a sweet deal. So they didn't necessarily want it to change. So Pilate is thinking Barabbas is a perfect choice because these guys aren't going to bring this guy back into their group because he keeps causing problems for everybody. So he thinks, he thinks strategically he's got it. And it sounds pretty good on paper. But he doesn't realize that, uh, that Jesus is making it clear to him, I don't know how to break this to you, but you're not in control of any of this. And I love that. You know, here's Pilate telling Jesus, why are you not saying, give me something? Because I have, I'm going to decide whether you're going to live or die. And then Jesus says what? Let me, let me clarify that real quick. The only power you have right now has been given to you by my Father. My kingdom is not of this world, and nobody takes my life. I lay down my life of my own free will, and I will raise it back up again. Somebody say amen. amen. So he clarifies who's in charge. Now, Pilate doesn't get all that, but he certainly doesn't like his wife nagging him about it, and he certainly doesn't want this trouble, and he wants out of it. So he says, now, at the feast of the governor, it was a custom to release for the crowd any one prisoner whom they wanted. And they had then a notorious prisoner called Barabbas. So when they had gathered, Pilate said to them, now whom do you want me to release for you, Barabbas, or Jesus, who is called Christ. Now, now don't miss this. He, he, he's throwing this out, and he, I think he fully expects to almost just not even pay attention as they yell for Jesus. And then he goes, well, y'all go take him, and you said it, so I'm going to release Jesus, so we're done. And it doesn't happen. So he knew, look at 18, he knew that it was out of envy that they delivered him up. And he thought, well, well that's all this is. It's just envy, but they're not going to bring Barabbas back. Who's going to get us? If he tries another one of these uprisings, we're going to hammer down. And think about it, Don't miss 18. 18 isn't just saying that he knows the deal. He thinks that's kind of a, a petty thing, meaning they're not going to go this far with it. Okay? So he says he knows that it's out of envy, but then we continue. Besides, back to his wife again, while he was sitting on the judgment seat, his wife sent word to him, have nothing to do with, look at this word, with that righteous man. For I have suffered much because of him today in a dream. So what is this all about? Why, why is God revealing to Pilate's wife something about Jesus to the point that she knows he's a righteous man? Have you ever thought about that? Why? Now, I got bad news for you. I'm not going to, I can't give you the answer. I can give you my opinion. And see, that's the thing. This is that dance again, where the Lord is sovereign, the Lord is in charge, and the Lord is going to accomplish what needs to be accomplished. But somewhere in there, there's always choice on what your role is going to be in this. I, I think this is the moment that God makes clear to Pilate you really don't want to mess with me. You, you probably don't want to be part of this. You know, because I have people all the time saying, well, there's theories out there even about Judas. I mean, Judas was, he, he, he was just trying to cause the overthrow, and he regretted what he did, and he, he gave the money back, and he went out and killed himself out of regret. Why are we so hard on Judas? Well, then you know, this was going to be accomplished. Yeah, but, but Jesus said, that the person who's dipping with me right now, go ahead and do what you're going to do. And it says Satan entered him at that time. And the Bible says it was better that Judas never been born. 
So why do we ignore that part? So, so, so I don't think Judas was just some puppet and had no control over what he was doing because the Bible says this was a bad thing that he did, even though it had to be accomplished. Why is Jesus crying over Jerusalem? Well, they rejected him. Well, didn't he know they were going to reject him? I, yeah, I guess. But he's still weeping over Jerusalem in Matthew 23, 37, saying that they had stoned the prophets and killed those that his father had sent, and now they had rejected him as Messiah, and it was going to bring down bad things. They'd suffer for it. I wish you had let me just gather you together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings, but you were not willing. That's just what the Bible says. You don't really need a commentator to tell you that Jesus is cry, crying over Jerusalem, saying y'all made a bad choice. Well, Rick, didn't he know that he was going to have to die for us? Yes. Did he start resolving that even after the fall in the garden? Yes. But what's all these choices? I don't know. It could be both. He's God. We are not. But right here, Pilate is getting from his wife the term righteous man you're on the judgment seat. Be careful what you judge. I'm bothered by this. 20, 20, uh, verse 20. Now the chief priests and the elders have persuaded the crowd to ask for Barabbas and destroy Jesus. So we got a little PR work going on in the crowd. They bring Barabbas up here. We're going with Barabbas. Now think about it. If he had to persuade people, there had to be people that said, I, I don't know about Barabbas. So somebody got up there and made a pitch, right? This is just like politics we see now, doesn't it? Lobbyist. Huh? Hey, guys, now, when this thing comes through here, I need your vote. I don't know if I'm going to No, I got to have you. You got you to go with me. And so he was. they were getting the votes together. When he presents Barabbas, this is how we're going to kill Jesus. Let's go with Barabbas. Now, I want you to hold on to that because I'm going to come back to that. Because this Barabbas thing is about to have a whole new look to those of you that have never heard this message before. It certainly did to me. 21. The governor again said to them, Now which of the two do you want me to release for you? He said to them again. Now I've already asked y'all once, what's the answer going to be? And this is the one when I saw that my, my kids react to this, and I did in my spirit too until God convicted me to the core. And they said, Barabbas. So let me be clear. You have a choice today over whether you want Jesus or whether you want Barabbas. People in the crowd were persuading others who hadn't really made that decision, let's pick Barabbas. And the crowd said, you give us a choice right now of Jesus or Barabbas, we take Barabbas. Hold on to that. We pick Barabbas. Pilate said to them, you remember last week, for those of you who didn't get it, there was a question last week in the Lazarus story, which I said was, was these questions that come through Scripture that are some of the biggest questions of all time. Last week it was, do you believe this? Do you believe what I do? Do you believe this about me? That anyone who believes me, though he dead, yet shall he live? Do you believe this? Well, here, here, here's another one of those. What do you want me to do with Jesus? So you've decided in your life that you're going to pick Barabbas and all that he represents, which we'll unpack. And then Pilate says, well, then what shall I do with Jesus who's called Christ? 
And the question that is posed to you and to me and to you and to me, what are you going to do with Jesus? What, what's your choice? Sounds like choice again, doesn't it? What do you want me to do with Jesus? I can tell you in my own life that question, sadly, was asked for a lot of years when I said, I, I, I'll take Barabbas. I don't want Jesus. I don't know what you're going to do with him, but I'd like him to leave me alone. I, I don't want Jesus. I, I prefer Barabbas. Hang on to that. They all said, don't miss all. They all said. So there was a chance for some of them to say, y'all do what you want to do, I ain't doing it. They all said, let him be crucified. Pilate comes back and says, well, what, what evil has he really done? And what, what is the answer to that? None. But they shouted all the more, louder, let him be crucified. So first of all, let's deal with this ridiculous question. You know, I put this right up there with sometimes we don't know why and why good things happen to bad people. I mean, bad things happen to good people. I hate those two things, and I never want to hear them again, and I don't want to hear this one again. Who crucified Jesus? Well, it was clearly the Jews. I watched this documentary of the night, and they were falling all over themselves. It was a historical documentation, which I wanted to see, but they were falling all over themselves trying to give everybody a pass on who crucified Jesus. Well, the Jews didn't do it. We shouldn't say that. They didn't do it. I mean, ultimately, if you really look at history, and it's been changed out of anti-Semitism to say that the Jews did it when really it was the Roman Empire. It was ultimately the Roman Empire who had the authority, who had the crucifixion was their thing. That's not something Jewish people had. That was a Roman thing. And by the way, they were really good at it for people who claimed that Jesus didn't die on the cross. As if the Romans asked everybody, whether they thought it was time to take somebody down or not. You know, like you could just tell them, hey, we want our loved one to come on down. We think he's dead. But they just take your word for it. You know what I mean? So, and we even know in Jesus' case, they took the sword and put it through him, even though everybody was ready for him to come down. Didn't break his bones because he's fulfilling prophecy. However, let me tell you right now who crucified Jesus. You did. I did. Rick Burgess crucified Jesus. And so did you. Because Jesus was crucified and tortured and beaten because of sin. And, and that goes back to the thing of what makes it so wonderful. It, it's like we talked about before. This had to happen in this gruesome, terrible way because God is holy and he can't do anything about it. If, if we would have said, you know what? Let's not do that to Jesus. And then we just said, can we come into your presence? He would say, no, I'll kill you. I'm holy and you're not. You have to be made righteous or you can't come into my presence. There's, that's who I am. I can't change that about me. How many of you, I did as a little boy, why didn't God just forgive everybody? He's God, right? But what I didn't understand, yes, he's God, but there's things about God that make him God. And that is he can't change that he's holy. So that means we can't come into his presence because his holiness will just kill you and he, there's nothing he can do about it. You saw throughout the Old Testament, how many times he specify, now here's how I'm going to reveal myself, watch out, turn this way, don't do that. 
Because if you don't follow my instructions, my holiness and my power will kill you. So, 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 for, so for that not happening, you and I cause Jesus to be crucified. It's not the Jews' fault. It's not the Romans' fault. It's not Pilate's fault. It's our fault. Now, they'll all answer for what they did. Don't misunderstand me. But Jesus was going to the cross to fulfill the will of his Father, and the will of his Father was he must have payment for the sin because he's holy. And when he's sweating in the garden, and, he's, and, he's, and to the point that his capillaries were bursting, he wasn't sweating about crucifixion. Now, it's terrible. It's horrible. But there have been people that have been martyred as martyrs of the church that were killed in more gruesome ways than even Jesus. You think skinned alive? You think that's a party? You think Peter crucified upside down was probably even a worse experience than being crucified right side up? So it's not about that. The bursting of the capillaries in the 100% man side of Jesus Christ who said, Father, if there's another way, go into, go into human beings and say, pray with me. Will you pray with me? What, why in the world does the king of kings care if anybody prays with him? Because the 100% man side of him is coming to his inner circle and saying, would y'all please, hey, don't leave me right now. I'm in despair, and I'm thinking about maybe going another way with this. And I will tell, I would love to tell those guys, and I guess we'll get to one day, hey, when he was in a moment of maybe not going through with this, what are y'all doing to abandon him? That didn't help. Because think about it, if you want to die for somebody, you don't want the last thing you remember them is in betraying you. That shows you how merciful he is, right? Because he didn't even get what he needed from them in his moment of despair. And, and, and so he still said what? It doesn't matter what they do because who was he answering to? His father. Remember when he says in the Gospel of John, even when he knows the crucifixion is coming, why, why, is my, why am I troubled? This is why I came. Because he knew, hey, time's running out. So what, what's the stress about if it's not? It, crucifixion is horrible. Don't misunderstand me. Nobody would want it. But the true despair was he was about to receive, and he says it, let this cup pass. That cup is the cup of the great I am's wrath that will be poured out not on us. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Not on us, but on him. And how about this? When God's wrath is poured out on you, it'll break your capillaries and make you sweat blood. And that was what the despair was about. Why have you forsaken me? Why aren't, what's going on here? The wrath of God being poured out. Now, praise God when he said it is finished, it's paid. But here's what's happening now. So the question that I have to put before you and before me because you may be saying to yourself, well, now, Rick, one time in my life I might have chose Barabbas, but I won't do that now. Really? Look around. Barabbas represents the world and represents the sin of the world. Jesus Christ says that I want a man to be so pure sexu sexually that he won't even lust after a woman in his heart. He don't even have to touch her physically. Under my authority and sanctified by me, that's choosing Jesus. And we lust after the woman at the office, the woman on TV, the picture in the book, and say, give me Barabbas. I, I prefer Barabbas. 
I don't want you, Jesus. Jesus says clearly that everything that we've been given is God's anyway. And, and he says, my father says to bring in a tithe. I want a tithe, and I want it brought to me, and when you withhold that tithe from me, you're stealing from me. And we say, give me Barabbas. I don't really want to give up anything. And if I do, I'll give what I feel like. And I know I could give more sacrificially, but, and that's what, it, Jesus said it looks like to choose him, but I choose Barabbas. What, what, what about when, when, when Jesus says, when you pray, I want you to pray that my Father will forgive you at the same rate and how you forgive other people. Don't deny forgiveness to other people that I didn't deny to you. And what do we say? Yeah, but you don't know how bad it was. I choose Barabbas. I don't want to forgive him. Jesus, leave me alone about this stuff. See, see, this thing of choosing Barabbas and choosing Jesus doesn't stop until we are either dead and he returns. You guys and me and all of you watching and listening, we're asked to choose Barabbas or Jesus all the time. And sadly, too many times, we say, give me Barabbas. I prefer the world. I don't really like the way you want me to do things. Think about that. J Jesus says, and he inspires the, the, the scriptures, and he says that there should be no coarse joking or language that comes from anybody that truly is a follower of Jesus Christ. And over here at work or at the state or whatever, over here we hear that going on and there's a point again where we're either drawn to it and we start participating in it and you know, or we decide, no, you know what, I'm going to choose you, Jesus. And then we hear it over and go, man, I got something really nasty and funny I could say. I think I choose Barabbas. I choose Barabbas. The, the scriptures scream for us as the men who are listening and watching this that we should be the spiritual leader of our home and that we should be going out and getting sanctified and we should be growing from spiritual infancy to spiritual maturity. We should be seeking and loving the Lord our God with all our hearts, with all of our souls, with all of our mind, with all of our strength. And we say, ha, I choose apathy. Give me Barabbas. Uh, I can't be that committed. I choose Barabbas. See, it feels a little bit different now, don't you? These people don't seem so unreasonable now, do they? No, unfortunately. We choose Barabbas all the time. And, and, and the question is, when will you choose Jesus? When will we finally say to the answer, what do you want me to do with Jesus? To say, I want him in his fullness. Let me have Jesus. I want him completely. I believe he's better than Barabbas. I really do believe that Jesus is better than sin. May not be easier. May not, may, may not satisfy or gratify my flesh in an instant. But boy, it soothes the spirit. And it's the right thing to do. And I remember having to go back and sit down with my sons, and I said it was difficult. 
watching those people call for Barabbas, was it? And they were like, yes, why, why would they do that? And I said, I want you to know that your daddy has done that before. What do you mean? And I laid out the things that I'm just talking to you about. So, so what we've kind of developed in our, in our lives and, and, and in inner circles is what we've gotten to the point that we'll say when presented with a situation, hey, don't choose Barabbas. Kids going off to college. Hey, Brooks, come here. Don't choose Barabbas. See, see, think about this. The Bible on that point, the Bible says, you know, it's, do you ever notice how we like dumb down sin to make it more palatable for us? I'm, I'm talking to this guy that's, that's, that's picked up uh, this Bible study and has found this in Sydney, Australia. And he keeps sending me these questions. And I noticed the questions that he's sending. I finally told him, I said, well, you have to understand when it comes to Scripture. I said, either people look at Scripture and they, they take it as it is. Or they look at Scripture and they don't understand how it all works together. I said, but you know what you'll find more than anything? People look at Scripture and make it say what they want it to say. Because they want to turn God into something that they're, they, they like better something that's more palatable for them. So they move and shuck and jive and move things around. So when you look at Scripture, when we talk about drunkenness, and I realize all the jokes, and I certainly understand them about grape juice and wine and watered-down wine and all this, but I tell you what you're never going to make a joke about in Scripture is drunkenness. Never. You realize that drunkenness is called debauchery in the Bible. Debauchery. And, and is on the list of the sins and the people that will not inherit the kingdom of God. But you know what we say? Give me Barabbas. What's wrong with a little getting a little high here and there, getting a little buzz? Barabbas says we can we can take this grace and we can abuse it, and you won't find a place in Scripture that ever treats drunkenness as lighthearted as we do. Never. But so what would have we done? Eh, well, it's not. And, and see, that's the beautiful thing about this message and the one next week. See, it's going to push us right into what we're going to do after man church, and it's going to be this pursuit of holiness, and it's going to step all over everybody in this room. Because you can't talk holiness with anybody. Oh, now, let's, Greg, don't get carried away. I mean, I mean, how far are we going to take this? And that's a very Barabbas answer. You know what? And you wouldn't tolerate that anything else. You, can you, I know some of y'all and I know me. If you were sitting there and one of your kids came in and sat down in front of you and said, this is my plan. I will be half-hearted in everything I do. I know you want me to make good grades, but let's not get carried away. I'll make... Okay, great. Hey, C's earn degrees. Thankfully. Uh, the, uh, hey, what about, the, what about this athletic team you're going out for? Nah, I hope I don't make the team. I'm not even really going to try. You, so you're not going to try? Nah. You think they'll let me play? No. Well, they probably will now, but they, they, at one time they wouldn't. <laughs> but would you tolerate an apathetic attitude about anything in your life other than your spiritual walk? Anything? Where, where do we get off that, that we think 
apathy is okay spiritually, but we will not stand for it anywhere else. You know what that is? That's Barabbas. When it comes to my spiritual life, I choose Barabbas. Now, when it comes to everything else, I choose excellence. By golly, I want my football coach to be excellent. Well, Jesus wants you and me to be excellent. Well, let's not get carried away. No one can make that standard. Standard a little high. What are we saying here? Well, I don't say much about Jesus, does it? Because, see, he's the one that gets us to the standard. And he says, if you seek me with all your strength, you'll find me. Can, can you imagine? I mean, what, what if my attitude here, I just said, well, tomorrow, you know what, I'm done with this trying to have ratings and revenue. I'm going to kind of half do it and show up every now and then, and, you know, hopefully they'll keep, I'll still keep my job. And uh, some guy says, hey, I just invested $150,000 in the show. Do you think you're going to sell my product? Nah, probably not. I'll, I'll do your commercial when I think of it, and when I do it, I'm just going to half rate it. You think, how long do you think I'm going to be around? But when it comes to our spiritual life, we think, we think being pathetic is okay. But we should be patted on the back. Now, we go for a well done. Not to earn our salvation, but my goodness, folks, out of appreciation for salvation. Have you ever noticed that? If you even watch everybody, if you get too far into obedience, you know, now, now you can get up, man, you can talk grace. And people just, I mean, you'll be carried around on people's shoulders, not me because they can't lift me. But for some of you, it'll be like, man, we love this grace thing. We love this guy who keeps telling us not to worry about anything, that it's all going to be okay because Jesus is so gracious. And I'm thankful that Jesus is gracious because I'd been dead in hell a long time ago. I mean, he'd have killed me a long time ago and sent me straight to hell. Okay? So I'm glad that he's gracious. But what, 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 what I don't understand it's how that grace comes into our life. It justifies our spirit by the power of the resurrection. And then somehow we now look to Jesus and say that he's apathetic. He didn't really change anything. Yeah, I mean, I experienced the power of Jesus Christ, but for some reason my flesh just keeps winning. You know, I, I, I had this happen with the team I'm coaching right now. And um, I'm, I'm, I, I know that, I didn't get this team until I was disappointed in my walk because I would be hated by everybody if I'd been given this team earlier in my life because this team drives me crazy. And I love these young men, some of them. Uh, no, I love them all. I don't like some of them. And uh, because there's, there's guys on the team, and see, let's be sure this isn't is it when it comes to the spiritual walk. There's guys on the team that are phenomenal players. But none of them are phenomenal just because they had God-given talent. They have some talent, like they were justified. Look at it that way. But they became good because they banged on their craft. And they work, and they work, and they work at maximizing what they've been given by God. And then there's these other guys. And I'm talking about lacrosse, who so has a stick, that walk up with their stick when the season starts, and then when the season's over, they lay it down, and they never touch it again to the next season, and they can't figure why they're not any better. They can't understand why they still can't throw and catch that well. They don't understand why they don't score. They don't understand why they can't keep somebody from scoring. And, 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 I'm, and in their minds, they just think these other guys that make the plays and make it happen, that it just kind of happened. 
that there was no effort on this person's part. And I've, I've called them over many times and said, if you want to get better, you're going to have to work on it. If you want to get better, you pick the stick up, and when you're at home, you throw it a hundred times against the wall and catch it. But we'll see, those guys represent the people that say, I think I believed enough to be saved, but I don't really want to ever have any impact for the kingdom, but I want to be treated like everybody else, and I don't want to have any struggles, and, and I want to be declared as this great person of faith, but I don't want to have to do anything. And I don't, want to, I don't see any victory over the sin in my life, and I don't know why it is. And you go, well, have you ever studied the Bible? Nah, well, I don't like to read. But what have I always said about that? Ask them about the things they care about. They know a lot about that. I don't know where they get this information without reading, but somehow they find it. So the reason why, if, you, if you're not strong in your faith, is because it doesn't mean anything to you. The reason why you saw the, the, when the disciples came around is when their commitment to Jesus Christ began to cost them something. It began to cost them something. Doesn't it bother you if your kids run into you and ask you about something in the Bible and you don't know the answer to it? Does that, does that embarrass you? It should. I'd love to be able to have those answers. Well, then do something about it. Then learn it. Then study it. Spend time with it. Yeah, I, I, just, I just don't know why. I don't see myself growing spiritually. Well, when's the last time that you went to church? Well, uh, Christmas, I'm going to go again Easter. And praise the Lord that people go at Christmas and Easter, because that may be the day it all comes alive. What, what group are you involved in? None. What kind of people do you hang around? I mean, all, all of this matters. And, and, and if you'll see it, I hope as we leave today, I hope if you'll see it in the way that this has been presented to you, all of this really comes down to this big question. When, when, when presented the, the, the question, what am I going to do with Jesus? Do you pick Jesus? And he says, or do you want Barabbas? You're going to pick Barabbas. And I hope some of you realize today, as I had to realize, at how many times in my life when that question was put in front of me, I kept picking Barabbas. Barabbas is the world. Barabbas is sin. And, and, and I hope that some of you that, that are maybe here with us today, this is going to be the day that you kind of see this in, 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 a, in a different way. Th that you see it in a different way. Because if it can happen in this situation, it can certainly happen in our individual lives. And I can speak for myself. It's happened many times. Many times. So as we close... Take your mind and think about the situations in life where it's, it's the standard of Christ and the standard of the world, and we keep picking the standard of the world. Why? Don't be afraid to ask yourself that question and be honest. Don't, don't give church answers. Why? I, I will tell you in my own life, the reason why I always pick Barabbas over Jesus is I enjoyed the life of Barabbas and I didn't think the life of Jesus had anything for me. Now, that looks silly now when I see the destruction that hanging out with Barabbas brings. See, it looks silly now. But at the time, why, why would I pick Barabbas over Jesus? Because I didn't know anything about Jesus. Think about that. Would you ever pick something you didn't really know about? You stay with what you knew, right? 
Remember the guy I told you about? He said, some of the best days of my life involved alcohol and women. But when I pressed him and said, but what did that keep leading to? He agreed that it didn't lead to good things. But in the moment, it was good. And sin can sometimes provide pleasure in the moment. But I think the thing you have to understand is the thing that, that my wife talks about when she cried out to God, but we were so happy. And God said, but I called you to be holy. Happiness versus peace, they're not even close. But we're so obsessed with happiness, even though it disappoints us over and over again. And the good news is, if you really want to experience what you might call happiness, I'd call it joy, is when you finally are at peace with God under the authority of Jesus Christ. See, if you're not there, whatever you're calling happy is only going to last for a vape. You know, I mean, if you look at what Solomon tried to teach us. I mean, Solomon said what? And I'm speaking to the men now. So women, you may struggle with this, but just stay with me because you need to know this about men. This is what Solomon taught us in Ecclesiastes. Men love three things. Power, money, and sex. And if you can't manage those three things, under the authority of Jesus Christ, they'll destroy you. And they'll destroy you. Now, you get them under the authority of Christ, and they can be blessings. But if you don't have it under the authority of Christ, and you pick Barabbas when it comes to sex, Barabbas when it comes to wealth, and Barabbas when it comes to power, they'll, they'll destroy you. And that's why Solomon, broken down, said, at the end of it all, everything's a vapor. Fear God and do what he says. That's the whole role of man. So the question is before us. Who do you want? Do you want Jesus or you want Barabbas? And let's make a commitment today to get under the authority of Jesus Christ and say, I choose Jesus. I choose Jesus. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for today. Thank you for this message. And Lord, we're just, we, there's nothing that we could even utter that would even remotely be, be sufficient for the gratitude that we owe you for what we're about to remember this weekend. Lord, I, I just, I can't imagine what we put you through. And only you would keep telling me over and over again, look, you didn't know what you were doing. I forgive you. But you know the thing about that, Lord, you taught me. But once I've forgiven you, now you do know. <laughs> now you do know. I mean, Lord, fighting back tears, we just want to say thank you. Thank you for the grace and mercy. And thank you for paying a debt that we could not pay. And thank you, Lord, on Sunday that we get to celebrate that you defeated sin and you defeated its penalty, death. And just like last week's message, Lord, when you asked us the question that if we repent and submit to you that you'll make us righteous and that even when our body dies, yet so shall we live. May everyone listening and everybody in this room, when you ask us, do we believe this, we say yes not because we know it's the right thing to say, because we truly believe it. 
And today, Lord, may we leave here broken and sorrowful and wretched and mourning for the times we stood in the crowd and said, give us Barabbas. And may that never happen again. And when it does, we repent. That when you call us to your standard under the conviction of the Holy Spirit and the flesh says, do you choose your flesh or do you choose the Holy Spirit? That we say, we choose you, Jesus. Give us victory over our flesh. It is going to die and rot. Feed our spirit, which will live forever. We lay our lives at your feet and say, forgive us for our wretched sin. Redeem us and give us the new life under your authority that features peace and joy and redemption and power over sin. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. Thanks, guys.